0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. I want to say good morning to all of our online family and everyone at Philadelphia Tabernacle. Come on, CT. Let's clap for our family over there. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I feel a little bit of turkey hangover in the house here today. But God is good. We're gonna, we're gonna really lock in to seek the face of God today as we continue on in our series titled Walking in Power. Everyone say walking in power. We can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the book of Mark is all about Jesus on the move and all of the things that Jesus was doing as he walked in power. These are examples for us, examples of encouragement, lessons for us to learn so that we too could walk in power. Today we're moving on to uh, Mark chapter eight. And after this, Message. We're going to take a break from the Walking in Power series, but I promise you, over the course of 2024, we will be revisiting it until we go through uh, through the whole book. But today, we're talking about the miraculous feeding of the four thousand. So each of the Gospels has at least one miraculous feeding story. There are several in the Scriptures. They all have slightly different details, yet one is very consistent, and here it is. I want you to notice that in all of the miraculous feeding stories of the Gospels, the focus of the interaction is always between Jesus and his disciples. Even though Jesus literally provides in one case for Upwards, they estimate of 10,000 people or 12,000 people. The main interaction was between Jesus and his disciples. I almost titled today's message as discipleship lessons because even though Jesus was doing a miracle for the people, he was teaching the disciples A very special lesson. Is anybody here a disciple of Jesus? Anybody in Philadelphia? Come on, raise your hand if you're a disciple of Christ. What is a disciple? A disciple is an avid follower of Jesus and his teachings. A disciple is someone who has decided not only to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, but to follow him until we see him face to face. How many are looking for the day that Jesus comes back to get us? How many are living for that day? That's the heart of a disciple. And so a disciple is someone who does more than just agree with God. We're not, a, we're not following philosophies here. We're not, we're not like tapping into the different options of how to live our lives. We are followers of Jesus. How many would say amen? And we are called to look at the stories of the gospel. And as Jesus ministered to the disciples, he wants to minister to us today amen Amen. so here's what the disciples were the disciples were leaders in training every disciple was a leader in training if you're a follower of christ if you're a disciple of jesus guess what you are in training too Because every child of God is meant to lead. Like we just talked about the Christmas season and inviting people to the miracle is in you and inviting someone to your house. Why is that so right and so biblical? It's because when you accepted Jesus, you became the light of the world. And how many know whoever has light in this world, you are naturally a leader. People want to follow you because of the light inside of you. How many would say amen? We have a propensity nowadays to see leadership as a, as a title, as a positional thing, but leadership is actually a decisional thing. Our decisions determine whether we will really lead people. I was at a conference once and I discovered that uh, John Maxwell, I was actually, he was speaking, and I discovered that he has written more books on leadership than any other author in history. I mean, he is like the leadership guru. I've got news for you. We have single moms in this room One spirit-filled single mom over the course of those 18 or 20 years will give as much leadership advice to their kids. How many know, ladies, you are the John Maxwell of that house, and you have been called to lead. And how many people are here that you were influenced by a grandma or a mom or a dad or someone who was full of the light of Christ? How many would raise their hands and say, yes, I'm one of those things that they said shaped my life? If you're a disciple, God wants to use you to shape someone else's life. And so we as disciples, we have to learn those crucial lessons. And here's the thing that we need to understand before I read this. Remember this. Jesus wanted to feed the people's bellies while at the same time he wanted to feed the faith of his disciples. He wanted to feed the people's bellies, but he wanted to feed the faith of his disciples because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And and in this miracle, the purpose of this miracle was not just for the people. The purpose of this miracle was for his disciples. Everybody say, that's me. So Jesus was expecting his followers to walk in power. He was expecting you in Philadelphia. He's expecting you today to receive faith, to walk by faith, and consequently, consequently, walk in power. So let's look at this story, Mark chapter eight, beginning with uh, uh, verse one, and let's learn. Some very, very important truths for our lives, especially in this season. This season is getting you ready to make, this, this sermon is getting you ready to make a difference this season in someone else's life. So Mark chapter 8 is as follows. Not long after, not long afterwards, another large crowd came together. Now, by the way, the commentators believe that the, that the miracle of the demoniac in Mark 5, remember when the people, pigs over people, they asked Jesus to leave? Even though they asked Jesus to leave, many of the commentators believe that that miracle, what God did in that, the miracle that God did in that man's life, it spread all over. And because it spread all over crowd started to come from everywhere to follow Jesus. So not long afterwards, another large crowd came together, and when the people had nothing left to eat, Jesus called the everyone disciples. Everybody say, "That's that's me. Jesus called the disciples to him and said, I feel sorry for these people because they have been with me for three days. And now have nothing to eat. Now let me point out to you that Jesus always has a heart for the needs of people. Notice that Jesus notices. And maybe you're here today and you feel like you've been overlooked. I'm telling you right now, you have not been overlooked. Maybe what needs to happen is you need to learn today's lesson. Today's lesson is very, very important. You see, you have not been overlooked. Jesus always notices. He always notices the needs of his people. Another thing that's important to notice is that because they sought him, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will will be added unto you. Notice that this crowd of people who followed him for three days, when they ran out of food, God did a miracle. Because if you seek him, how many know you will find him? And when you find him, he will do everything that you need. How many would say amen? Come on, come on, shake off the turkey. Some people still. Levanta! Are they awake in Philadelphia? Too much turkey. Somebody said, too much lechon. So notice that if you seek God, seek first the kingdom, all will be added, even for thousands. But let's keep going. It says, If I send them home without feeding them, they will faint as they go because some of them have come a long way. His disciples asked him, where in this desert can anyone find enough food to feed all these people? How much bread do you have, Jesus asked. Seven loaves, they answered. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground, and then he took the seven loaves and gave thanks to God, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the crowd. And the disciples did so. Notice how many times in just 10 verses the phrase disciple is used. Everybody say, that's me. He's talking about us. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many know this Christmas season, God wants to put some stuff in your hands so that you could distribute and it will become a miracle in someone's life. Come on, put your hands together and say, yes, Lord, amen. He's talking about us. This miracle was for us. This story was a lesson for us. They also had a few small fish. Jesus gave thanks for these and told the disciples to distribute them too. Everybody ate and had enough. There were about 4,000 people. Then the disciples took up seven baskets full of pieces, uh, seven baskets full of pieces left over. Jesus sent the people away and at once got into a boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The title of today's message, the lesson of today's message is that provision is always possible. Everybody say, provision is always possible. This was a lesson to his disciples that provision is always possible. Jesus wanted them to get this deep inside of their soul. And can I tell you something? Yes, he wanted to feed the people and feed their bellies, but he wanted to feed the faith of the disciples. For the rest of your life, God will give you cycles and cycles of this particular lesson. No matter what you and I face, how many know provision is always possible. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what what you go through in Philadelphia, faith pleases God, and God wants you to stand and look at that thing and say, provision is always possible. How many believe that provision is always possible? I've been, I've been, I've been deeply challenged by studying this, and I want you to know I'm asking God for a resurgence of miracles in the body of Christ. We need a wave of miracles to show the unbeliever that provision is always possible, that Jesus is alive and well. How many know Jesus is alive and well? Hallelujah. But what will release the miraculous power of God? It's faith in his followers. Jesus responds to faith. Provision is always possible. And so as I go to pray today, I want you to know that one of the things I have been trying to do is I have been trying to break agreement with unbelief. And I want you to know that no matter what you're facing here in this room or in Philadelphia or you're watching online, I mean, get serious. Get real. Is your problem too big for God? Is is it even remotely possible that God can't just go like this and change your circumstances? How many believe provision is always possible? I literally prayed against American Christianity today. We are Christians, we are followers of Christ way more than we're Americans. As Americans, we, we tighten our belts, and we want to save, and we want to do this, and the 401K, and, and, and always saving, and the bottom line, and the bottom line, and, and sometimes if your bottom line doesn't look that good. Meanwhile, our bottom line in America is 10 times better, 100 times better than 80% of this world. We live like kings in this country, but American Christians, says, no, I got to raise up my bottom line, and we forget that it's not about your bottom line it's about his goodness it's about his faithfulness it's about his kindness if you have anything good in your life it's because God has provided it wake up provision is always possible and he's the one who's provided it for us it's not your strategies or your smarts you know when I was in before I pray when I was in street ministry when I first became a Christian I marveled at how many absolutely gifted people found themselves on the street. Doctors, lawyers, Columbia Med School graduates. I mean, all kinds of... I was just shocked at um, how many life challenges devastated people who had the natural ability to make more than probably your whole group that was out there. And you know what it was for me? It was a reminder for me that without the goodness of God, where would you and I be? To presume that what you have is because of you is the highest level of foolishness. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in what? Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen watch in vain. How many are thankful for our providing savior, uh, our protecting savior, hallelujah. Yeah, come on, shout to the Lord for a minute. It's thanksgiving, hallelujah. Wake up, Philly, and praise God he's worthy to be praised. Where did it come from? It came from Jesus. And this is so easy for us to overlook. And here's what I want to say before I pray. I want to quote J.B. Phillips who says, man's extremity is God's opportunity. What that means is you might find yourself in an extreme situation, but do you realize that provision is always possible? And do you realize that this situation or circumstance that you find yourself in is really a faith lesson? God wants to teach us how to respond and how to walk by faith. So come on. Let's lift up our hands in Philly. If you're watching online, wherever you are, let's lift our hands. And I want to pray for our minds and our hearts and our spirits. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for rescuing us and saving us. We didn't choose you. You chose us. And even now, you're knocking on people's hearts, oh God. Choosing them again if they'll just open their heart to you, Lord. But God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have always been the one that took care of us. And Lord, you love when we believe you. And so God, would you strengthen our faith today? To us, Lord God, to you, our faith is more precious than pure gold to you, Lord God. It's what pleases you. And as your followers, we want to please you. So, God, would you break off unbelief? Would you break off the foolishness of logic, Oh God? Would you break off the thinking, O oh God, that minimizes who you are in our lives? Bless this word. Bless the remaining moments of our time. In Philadelphia I pray that today would be a breakthrough for someone maybe they've had their backs up against the wall but Lord today you want to release faith inside of them that will bring your miraculous release and provision so God today we're turning our eyes to heaven Today we're looking to you. Today we're looking above what is. And we're looking to you and say, have your way, King Jesus. We believe that provision is always possible. So bless this word. Bless our time together. Bless our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have to know that a disciple without faith is like a miss or a disaster in the making. When we don't trust and look to Jesus for provision, when we lack faith, we become vulnerable to secular solutions. We become vulnerable to demonic suggestions the reason that Christians get deceived and tripped up by the enemy is because we forget that provision is always possible. And so this is a very, very deep, very, very important uh, uh, truth and very important lesson for us to learn. God's provision, you know, many, many years ago, I think I preached on this, but I always tell myself this. Um, I was reading one of these stories and one of these miraculous feeding and I'm like, where exactly does the miracle happen? Did it happen in its hands? Did it happen when they put it in the baskets? Didn't it happen when they were carrying it? Like, how did they carry like a a basket, right? Was it filling up? What was going on? Where, Where exactly specifically did the miracle take place? And you know what I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me? I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered to me, don't try to figure out the miracle. Just trust me. Because I can do things that you can't do. The Bible says he calls those things that are not as though they were. It wasn't there, but all of a sudden it was there. How did it get there? I don't know. God did it. Hallelujah. And so this is a big deal Provision comes in many forms. Sometimes God has a solution and we're trying to figure out the solution. And instead of trying to figure out the solution, look to him for the solution. Sometimes uh, 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 this this provision comes as a resolution. We might be in conflict with our with family members or with different people, and the Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it like a watercourse, whichever way he pleases. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is seek God, so He could resolve our issue. We cannot resolve it, but he, provision is always possible. Sometimes what we need is multiplied resources, and I'm telling you, if it's in Jesus' hands, he can multiply it. How many people would say amen? We believe. I believe that miracles are true and real. So let me, before I just give you some application points, let me just say this. God always has something for you. God always has something for you. But one of the things you learn here is that something what God sometimes, listen, Philadelphia, sometimes what God has for you is what he wants to do through you. As Americans, we're, me, 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 me. But what if you set aside me today? What if you said, I want to I wanna walk in power I want to be an instrument of the kingdom of God. You mean to tell me 10,000 people ate or 12,000 people ate or 4,000 people ate and the disciples didn't eat? So you're going to tell me that God is doing things through you and he's not going to do stuff for you? That's part of the lesson here. Part of the lesson here was that God wanted to do something through the disciples. As you get ready for, to end this year, as we get ready to go into this, and we're in the Christmas season, perhaps God could reshape our thinking. As we get ready, I like to think about about I like to take December and think about, God, what do you have for the coming year? And then in January, we have our three-week fast, and I pray about the things that I was asking God to focus on. Could you begin to focus on, even in this month, how does God want you to wrap up this year? And how does God want you to go into the new year? And could you make some room, not just for what God wants to do for you, but would you make some room for what God wants to do through you somebody say amen God wants to do some great things through your life and guess what people who have all of the toys and they have all of the gifts and all of the trips and all of that a lot of times they end up miserable but when God is using you when God is working through you you will have joy unspeakable and full of glory there's no life like the life that is used by the most high God You will be so excited when God uses you. There's nothing better than being used by God. You could be in your saddest, most difficult place, but when God uses you, it's joy. You get a sense of heaven. You get a sense of eternity. You get a sense of glory. You let go of the things that are happening here which are just temporary, and you get a sense of glory. God wants to use us and while he's using us he'll bless us as well how many us say amen? amen okay so how do we apply this message how do we line up with the provision of God because provision is always possible well there's two things first of all you got to get clear everybody say get clear You got to get clear. The disciples needed to get clear. What do I mean by that? The way you see things is the way you see things, but it's not exactly the way things are. Okay? What you see today and what you think today, it might be what you see and what you think, but that's not exactly the way things are. Okay? Things could be different than what you see. Maybe you're not seeing the right thing. Let me explain this to you. So imagine Jesus is right here and the disciples are right here. Watch the story, okay? These are the disciples. They've been walking with him for at least a year by now. They've been walking with him. They've watched him do all of these things. So watch the exchange and tell me that we haven't been there. So he says to them, I want to feed these people. And they're like, you want to feed these people? They go, where in this where in this vast desert are we going to provide all the food for all of these people and he's right there So, hey, feed the people. What? What are you talking about? Look at all of these people. And instead of looking at him, they're looking at the problem. How many know when you really start to look at him, that's when you get clear. We got to get clear today. I'm telling you right now, do not make a move until you get clear. Do not make that decision until you get clear. I said, Jesus, help me to get clear, Lord. How many times do I face a situation and instead of looking at Jesus and getting clear, I turn around and look at the problem? Stop looking at the problem. The problem is there. It's what you see. But let me tell you the revelation that comes when you see the one that you can't see. That's where the power of God will be released into your life. We got to get clear, brothers and sisters. God is able. Provision is always possible. But we got to get clear. We got to see what he wants us to see. You know, pressure can make us forget that Jesus is right there. Sometimes when we fall under pressure, we stop noticing that he's right there. But brothers and sisters, he's right there. In Philadelphia, guess what? No matter what you're going through, he's right there. Did he not say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? Come on, somebody shout. He's there. He's right here. He's in this place. He's right there with you. Stop taking your eyes off of him. Get clear. Part of the lesson is we got to learn how to get clear. We got to learn how to get our eyes on Jesus. One of the things that I have been noticing in the scriptures is that when the enemy deceives us, a major part of his deceiving us is getting us to forget that Jesus is right there. It's one of the major schemes of Satan is just to get you and I to say, where's Jesus? Or... Not even think about Jesus. So we talked last week about the mechanism of what's going on in your heart and in your mouth. Have you, as you've been processing your problems, right, how much has Jesus come out of your mouth? Or how much is the problem dominating your thinking? You know, we prayed today and... When we finished praying, I shared a little bit of the message with the staff. Pastor Jose um, said, "You you gotta hear this, Pastor." He goes, "I can't believe your this story. I just gotta tell you this story." So, Pastor Jose was a lead pastor of a church in Santo Domingo. You guys don't know he was. Pastor, pastor Jose was the first disciple of this church, and. Um, Yeah, one day we'll have him give his testimony. He used to be quite the rascal. And it was so funny because I would come to church and his mother would tell me all the naughty things he did that week. Every week. God got a hold of him. He started to serve. He started to study the Bible. I watched him. I literally watched him become this amazing man of God. And right at the same time, when we started the first person that I met uh, um, in regards to Chicago Tabernacle was actually in Brooklyn. I preached my last message at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, and and some sister came up to me and says, hey, I'm moving to Chicago too, and here's what she said. She said, I'll serve, I'll give, I'll tithe, I'll do whatever, I'll be there. I was like, hallelujah, God's on the move, and that was Darcy, that was Darcy, who obviously they met, they fell in love. And then he went to school, he went away for a while, they went to the mission field, then he became the lead pastor of a church. And so that's, the, that's part of his faith story. So anyway, they had a food um, pantry, like they would, a soup kitchen in Santo Domingo um, when he was there. And he said, pastor, one day, um, we had hundred about 120 people waiting out line, outside on the line, Santo Domingo. And when I got there, it turns out that there was no food. And so, um, so I said, well, what do we have? And the people like, there's no rice. And let me tell you, when there's no rice, that's a crisis. <laughs> that's deep. No rice, major, grande problema. <laughs> Okay, so there was no rice. And Pastor Jose said, and they were like waiting online. So he's like, what do we do? How much? And then he said, look, he said, what do we have? They said, we have the stuff to make the sauce for the rice. So he said, start making the sauce. And he said, let's pray. So they just started to pray. And while they were praying, somebody starts banging on the door. And when they start banging on the door, they're like, oh, snap, we're late. These people are hungry. They're waiting for a meal. And we have no food. So the guy's banging on the door. And the guy's like, oh, let me in, whatever. And he realizes, no, this is a different voice. So he opens up the door. And the guy comes in and says, listen, I got a call at like 3 in the morning from someone in New York. And they told me. That you have a soup kitchen, and, and, I, and I knew that I was supposed to bring you four 100 pound bags of rice. Come on, provision is always possible. Come on, let's praise him. Praise him in Philadelphia. Provision is always possible. And guess what? It took a little bit longer than usual, but that fluffy rice was right there with the salsa. Because provision is always possible if we will take the time to look at him. Get clear, brothers and sisters. Let's get clear this year. Let's get clear, more clear than ever before. And before we start making decisions and start making moves, how many would agree with me? We got to focus our eyes on Jesus. Because you respond differently when you see him for who he is. If they could send me a keyboard player. Listen, I, I heard a story about the uh, Revolutionary War. I found this interesting. Let me read this to you. There was a man in civilian clothes who during the American Revolution rode past a group of soldiers repairing a small defensive barrier. Their leader was shouting instructions but making no attempt to help them. Asked why by the rider. So the rider said, hey, why aren't you helping them? He retorted with great dignity, sir, I am a corporal. Like, I'm I'm in a position of authority here. I'm not doing that. So the stranger dismounted and proceeded to help the exhausted soldiers. The job done, he turned to the corporal and said, Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, Go to your commander-in-chief, and I will come and help you again. It was none other than George Washington himself. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, The interesting thing about the story is that he didn't recognize him because he wasn't in uniform. You see? He didn't recognize that the commander-in-chief was right there because he wasn't in uniform. And you know what, George Washington was just a man, and, and thank God that he was that kind of leader and servant. But do you realize how often we don't recognize Jesus because he's not in the uniform that we think he ought to be wearing But how many know just because he's not in your uniform, that doesn't mean he's not right there. Brothers and sisters, he is right there in your house, in your apartment, at your job, wherever you find yourself, in your battle, in your addiction. He's right there. All we got to do is get clear. Provision is always possible. It's always possible. And God wants to break off our unbelief. We can get, um, we can get into the place where, because of the pressure, because of the difficulty, because of the hardship, we become the kind of Christians that say, "What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" And we stop believing. So this is a challenge this, I feel challenged by this I feel challenged by the things that we faced, I was talking to Pastor Tim about this, I was like Pastor Tim the thought speaking as a leader the thought that I could miss what God really wanted, wanted to do because I didn't get clear, I'm like Lord help me this year like never before to get clear Because here's the key. It's not just you. You're the child of God. He loves you. He's going to take care of you. You know, when you have kids, they're not good all the time. But you still take care of them. Well, how many know? He takes care of us, even on our worst day. He's loving and kind and merciful and, and gentle. And he always takes care of his people. Somebody say amen. But in the ideal place, it's not just you this Christmas season. If you want to see the glory and the power of God, remember it's not just you. Provision is always possible. And God wants to do something for you by doing something through you. And when we get on that side of things, it's just astounding what we will see of the power of God. He is always there. Provision is always possible. Now. The second application is crucial as I transition from that thought to this thought. Because if you believe that provision is always possible, notice how Jesus led them. So Jesus says, they said, where are we going to get food? Guess what Jesus said. He said, well, what do you have? You hear me? Uh, 4,000 people to be fed, and Jesus is saying to them, what do you have? What does this teach us? Number one, we've learned that you gotta get clear. Number two, we now are learning something else, which is as follows. You ready? When you need a miracle for God to do something great in your life, and when you're believing that provision is always possible, guess what you ought to do? You should start with an offering. <laughs> start with an offering. Take what you do have and offer it to God. Forget about what you don't have, take what you do have and say, God, I need so much, but, but I have so little, but what I do have, I put it in your hands. How many know when you start putting stuff in God's hands, powerful things start to break out in our lives. See, this is where we change from being American Christians, a gimme gimme, to real disciples that say, God, you're right here with me, God. And because you're right here with me, my faith will participate in this miracle. And I'm going to give you what I have. I'm going to offer something to you right now, because I believe that you're going to come through with my life. When was the last time you praised God before he did it for you? We wait for him to do it. Don't wait for him to do it. Give him a praise offering. Give him a hand of worship and say, I believe. Hallelujah. You always have something to offer to God. You always have an ability to give something to God. You can just give him praise. And listen to this. Jesus was trying to remind the disciples that from the beginning of time, all of the patriarchs, all of the forefathers, each and every one of them, they practice, they practice giving offerings to God. You realize Noah gets out of the boat. His family is saved. What is the first thing that, that Noah did when he got out of the ark? everyone is wiped out except he and his family and the animals. What's the first thing that Noah did when he got off of that ark? The Bible records he built an altar and he offered up a sacrifice. He gave him an offering. Anybody here have been saved? Has anybody been saved here? Has your family been changed because of the goodness, the saving power of Jesus? How many know we should offer him up a a sacrifice of praise and say, thank you, Jesus, for your goodness? Abraham got a promise from God, and even though it took 25 years to see that promise fulfilled, the first thing that Abraham did was he built an altar, and he began to worship God and honor God. He started with an offering. You get a promise from God, give him an offering. Isaac offered up sacrifices to God. Jacob, listen, Jacob was running from God. Interesting. Jacob, no, Jacob was running from his home, not running from God. He was running from his home because he caused all of this mess, all of this trouble. He was on the run. God meets him in the woods, desert, woods, valley, bottom of the ocean, doesn't matter. And God encourages him. And and Jacob says, man, this is all over the Bible. He says, man, God was here and I didn't even realize it. He's always been here. What was the next thing that Jacob did? He built an altar and he gave him an offering. Do you know sometimes one of the ways that I judge um, our leadership effectiveness is have we taught the people to give offerings to God? And I'm not talking about just financial things. We, we tend to go there. Let me tell you, from Old Testament to the New Testament, let me read two promises to you, okay? Because maybe, maybe, maybe the leadership team, even with the turkey hangover, maybe the leadership team Shouldn't be challenging us. Come on, praise God. Come on, sing. And people are like this. <sighs> can I say that? That's the way it is, right? You know that's the way it is sometimes. Anytime, if you want, look, I'll let you stand here with me. So you can see. You know? Look at what the Bible says. Psalm 50. Let the giving of thanks be your sacrifice to God. I don't have anything to give to God. Oh, yes, you do. You can give him praise and thanksgiving. Oh, yes, we do. How many know we can praise him and we can thank him? It says, let the giving of thanks be your sacrifice to God and give the Almighty all that you promise. And then watch this, call to me when trouble comes and I will save you and you will praise me. Call upon him in the day of trouble because provision is always possible. Hallelujah. But start with thanksgiving. Where are the offerings of praise? You know what this means? It means some of us need to go home and fill our house with praise. Some of us, the best, you want a strategy for victory, for breakthrough, and blessing? Go stand in your kitchen and thank God for everything that's in that kitchen. And go stand in your living room and begin to praise God. Offer him the sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. And watch. Watch. The great things that God does. Look, in Hebrews, this is not just Old Testament. This, in Hebrews, it says, let us then sometimes. Come on, Philly. Let us then sometimes. Let us then always. Everybody say always. always. How many know always means right now? Let us then always offer praise to God as our sacrifice through Jesus, which is the offering presented by lips that confess him as Lord. Is anybody a disciple here? Is anybody confess Jesus as Lord? Let your lips praise him. Come on, can we praise him for just a moment right now? Come on, give him a shout. Stand, stand to your feet for a second and let's praise God. Come on, let's do what the Bible says. Stand up. Stand up and praise Him. Hallelujah. Stand up in Philadelphia. Stand up in your living room. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I praise you from the hardest place. I praise you, O God. From the difficult place, I praise you, O God. You're able, you're near, you're right here, oh God. Thank you for being so close to me. Provision is always possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we gotta learn how to offer the sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, think about the goodness of God. Let's practice this. Think about His goodness. Put your hands together and say, Thank you. Thank you for food. Thank you for air in my lungs, oh God. Thank you for family. Thank you for friends. Thank you for mercy and forgiveness, oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're a good, good father, O oh Lord. You're worthy to be praised. On our worst day, you are faithful and you are near, O oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, fill your lungs with praise today. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, are you in need? Do you need provision? Let's all start with an offering today. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Lord. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy to be praised, oh God. Hallelujah, King Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. God, where would we be if it wasn't for your mercy, oh God? Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. 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 What's he doing up there? He's offering a sacrifice of praise. Your house look I'm telling you right now like I remember my a buddy of mine who I love baby Christians I've told this story and, and and it's always it makes me laugh when I think about it but it's true one of my buddies needed a job he didn't know what to do He's a baby Christian I love the way baby Christians read the Bible Right? So he read the story. They marched around Jericho seven times. And the Jericho, the walls of Jericho came down. And so he's in the park literally praying and, and seeking God. And he's like, Lord, I have no Jericho to walk around. He says, but I'm going to walk around this tree. Imagine the craziness of this. And he's walking around and he's praising God and he's praising God. And he walked around the tree seven times. I, I'm not telling you to go walk around a tree seven times trying to make a point Christianity is not philosophy Christianity is a true blue relationship between you and Jesus How many know Jesus is real How many know Jesus is right here right now When we break apart from each other and there's no baseline And the shh. And the keyboard. You know, it's funny. It's so much easier to worship in this vibe, right? You should rent the band. Just take them home with you, right? We can't take the band home with us. But let me tell you something. If you will actually reach out to God. Not talk about it, but do it. I'm telling you right now. The eyes of the Lord, the Bible says, they go to and fro throughout the earth, seeking to strengthen whatever heart is committed to him. But you have to cross over and do it. You actually have to give him the sacrifice of praise.